purchased more than 100 properties in the past 17 years. His company currently manages over 3,000 apartment units, office spaces, and single-family homes. Stewart's specialties include acquisitions of off-market properties, operations management, and asset management. Today, our topic is real estate acquisitions and property management. Stuart, we're happy, we're excited to have you here. Please tell us a little bit more about yourself. Yeah, okay, great. Thanks a lot for the opportunity. Uh, my name is Stuart Beal, and I uh, currently run two businesses that work together. Uh, the first one is called Beal Capital, BealCapital.com. And we raise funds from real estate investors to buy uh, mid-sized apartment buildings and mid-sized office buildings. We have two funds we're offering right now. And then the second business is Beal Properties. It's a property company. The company manages uh, properties I own myself personally, uh, the properties we buy with our real estate syndications. And then if you buy a property uh, anywhere in the state of Michigan, we'll manage it for you uh, for a fee. Um, and we manage about uh, 3,000 apartments, single family homes and office spaces in uh, 63, 64, 65, something like that cities around Metro Detroit. And then also uh, out to Grand Rapids where we just opened an office. So that's, that's what we do. That's awesome. Stuart, you've got a, a, a massive portfolio. You've got a ton of experience. You've been purchasing for a very long time. Uh, for the, uh, the newcomers wanting to get into real estate, uh, can you tell us about your first deal and how, how that kind of propelled you forward to where you're at now? Yeah, okay, great. So uh, the first deal I ever did uh, was a commercial loan deal. It was a five unit. Um, but I recommend people buy a one, two, three, or four unit to get started because then you can get started with a residential loan and can get some better terms than you can often is the case than a commercial loan. But that's just not how I started because I met a guy who uh, owned 12 rental properties around Eastern Michigan University school at the time. And it just so happened that the only vacant unit was in a five unit. Like he had a four unit that, and I wanted to buy it, but I also needed a place to live. And I did what's called a house hack. Uh, this, in this case, it's a, a bigger house hack uh, because it's an apartment building, but basically I bought a five unit uh, on Eastern Michigan University campus. I lived in one unit while it needed to be fixed up and I rented the other four uh, to um, uh, the people that were currently living there when I, when I bought the building. And uh, it was a $262,000 purchase price requiring a down payment uh, in cash of 50,000. And I borrowed uh, 212 thousand and i like to talk about interest rates a lot uh and the interest rate on that deal this was 19 years ago uh was 5.25 percent uh, on my uh very first deal and that property um you know was worth 262 the day i bought it maybe a few thousand dollars more uh you know i i, I definitely did not get a, a steal uh, an excellent deal on my first deal it was a it was basically a way to get in and way to get started. Um, you know, and I talked to a lot of new people. They're like, I don't feel I'm getting a very good deal. I'm like, well, you got to do your first deal. So, uh, you know, analyze a couple and then pick one that's best and, and, and do it. It might not feel like the best deal ever, but that's the beauty of real estate. 19 years later, it's, a, it's been a, a great deal over time. But basically that property was worth 262 uh, in 2002, probably in 2009 in the foreclosure crisis, it was probably worth 100. 
Um, you know, it, so it went way down in value. And then, you know, I, I don't like to sell and I certainly don't sell on a crisis. So uh, stuck with it, probably worth about 400, you know, 450 today, something like that. Plus, you got the cash flow through the years and um, uh, it's provided returns year over year over year. Yeah, um, so it, it's done exactly what real estate's designed to do and gives you not just one benefit, it gives you multi-benefits and um, your listeners probably know, know them, but let's repeat them just in case. Uh, we've got the cash flow, we've got the appreciation, the property going up in value, we've got the depreciation shields your cash flow for uh, taxes and then of course the tenants for 19 years have paid down my loan for me um, which increases the the spread between what you owe your bank and what the property is worth so, so those are when when you were qualifying for that loan were you able to use the existing tenants income to help um, help get approved for the loan yeah so uh, it was very difficult to get approved uh, for the loan and when you're starting out in real estate, that's why I recommend doing a one, two, three, or four unit uh, because you can get a residential loan, which is uh, much, much easier. Uh, I, I did a commercial loan and um, I, I consider myself mostly self-made, uh, but I will say that um, it's also good to have your mom be a lawyer and your, <laughs> your dad be a construction contractor. Yeah. Uh, and grow up in an entrepreneurial family, you know? So I, I'm very privileged in my background in terms of uh, having a lot of- um, uh, Key players around you? Yeah, having having good mentors and having uh, good uh, people behind me. Um, and so uh, I'm not saying that you can't, like let, let's say you come from a, uh, a different background you can't, it's not that you can't do what I did. You know, I, I got some benefits in the beginning by, uh, by, my mom was a lawyer, you know, she was my lawyer for 17 years before she retired. So um, I credit much success to them. So yeah, the commercial loan was difficult to get, um, but I was able to get it um, through, through hard work. I had income, I was working at the time, the tenants had income and uh, my dad and mom introducing me to the, to the, a couple loan officers and that helped a lot. That's perfect. So we've heard about your first deal. Tell us about your largest deal. Yeah. So the largest deal. Um, yeah. So the largest deal is a syndication where we raised uh, $50 million from investors. Oh, wow. And we bought about 50 uh, apartment complexes with that money of various sizes. And there were about 900 and 980 investors in this real estate uh, syndication. And uh, when you raise $50 million, uh, it doesn't make sense to buy apartment buildings that are a million dollars or $2 million or $3 million anymore. You wanna be going after some bigger properties so that you can deploy capital uh, more quickly. And so the, 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 the fund bought uh, many apartment complexes of more than 100 units, uh, bought some more than 150 units, some about 250. But the largest deal I ever did was a 468 unit apartment complex. And my partners and I got very lucky because when you're trying to deploy capital uh, like that, you're looking over a very wide geographical area, uh, probably multiple states, many different cities. But we got lucky in that 
property became for sale about four miles from my uh, house and where my office is in Ypsilanti, Michigan. And uh, the property was extremely distressed. Um, there had been uh, multiple uh, murders and uh, fires uh, in the property, but um, it was still an attractive position uh, because of its size. Um, and so uh, the property went on the market. It was a fully nationally marketed deal and there were about 15 bidders. Uh, we came in third place and we were very disappointed, but we told them, look, if it doesn't work out, uh, come back, come back. We're still very interested. And what happened was there was a, uh, another murder on the property and the, the buyer lost their financing. And then they went in contract with the second bidder when there was a fire that took down uh, more units that was already taken down by the fire that had already happened. So now I think, I think there are about 60 units down due to a fire in this 400. So that person lost their financing. And so now we were given a shot to buy this property four miles from my house, 468 units. And what I did is I wrote a 40 page PowerPoint presentation, basically a, a blueprint as to how we were gonna take on this property. And I used it to convince myself first, then convince my partners, then convince our investors, and then finally convince our lenders that we were gonna be able to uh, take this project on. And we focused, about, uh, we focused on security we met with uh, the Washtenaw County Sheriff, the, the police department, the, the EMU police. We designed a $100,000 camera system, fences, gates, uh, uh, cameras. And we were able to uh, convince uh, everyone involved. And we, we bought the property at about 80% uh, occupancy with a bridge loan for uh, about $18 million. And then um, two years later, we sold it uh, when that bridge loan was expiring and COVID was uh, coming in uh, in April 2020 for over well over 30 million dollars, um, and wow. so that was the, the the best deal and the biggest deal that I ever did. We owned it for about two years, and um, we we sold it to a, a, a very very high success. And it was a, a project with a lot of moving parts and pieces, but the nice thing about buying large properties is you can attract and afford very qualified staff. Um, you know, if you buy a class C distressed property in a distressed area and you say, hey, hey, property managers, quit your job that you love and come work for me over here at this distressed property, you're gonna have a harder time yeah doing that than if you buy a really large, robust property that a property manager can sink their teeth into and build their career with. And so I want to get back, uh, back to doing that. I want to get, I want to get back to buying properties of that size. Uh, but, uh, you know, COVID happened and we, we took a step back, but we're rebuilding it, rebuilding it now. It sounds like you took a huge step forward though, because you took a property that you, you essentially were in third place. You, you worked the plan backwards and you, you created a vision in your mind of how that needed to go and be executed. The business plan was probably on point. And then you also came out uh, a huge winner on that deal. So that's incredible. Yeah. The way I think of building is 
its own company and the property manager is the chief executive officer of the, the property. And what I want to see is a, a business plan for this business that we're going to own. And so of large properties of size that have a lot of moving parts and pieces, I write it down just like you would a business plan uh, when you're starting a company. Uh, you can Google business plans. You can read a million of them online. I happened to go to business school, so I had some experience writing business plans. And I write it exactly like it's going to be a business with you know, who are your, who are your, uh, gonna, who are your customers going to be? What's your revenue is going to be? What are your expenses going to be? How do you get there and, and, and flush that all out? And I've done that quite a few times on properties of a, a large size. You know, it's, you can't just go into a large deal and say, okay, I'm going to rent these apartments for more than the last person did. Well, how and who, how are you going to do that? And who are you going to rent them to? You know, uh, why is someone going to pay more? For your apartment than they can across the street well okay you might have some ideas in your mind but let's get them down on paper yeah and you're, you're cascading the message all the way down to staff and um and telling them exactly what your expectations are to execute that's huge yeah we uh, pulled pulled that business plan out a hundred times in two years to say no 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 this is not part of our plan let's refresh look at this again you know we're not getting here we need that here yeah we, we did that a lot love it i love it so you're um that one was on market, the, the largest deal, and you you also have a ton of experience with off-market properties. Can you tell us your uh, your secret sauce, the golden nugget of how you acquire off-market properties? Yeah, so the on-market on properties, it's hard to get a good price, right? Because um, everyone's looking at it. Uh, and properties that stick on the market a long time, they've got some problems with them, you know? There's a 48 unit in Ypsilanti, Michigan for sale right now. And I offered a million less than they wanted about three months ago. And one of my clients, my property management clients was like, Hey, I'm underwriting this property today. I'm like, what? Three months later, that thing's still on the market. It's like, man, there's gotta be a lot of problems with that. Underlying you know? conditions. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So, so what we like to do is we like to find off market deals and develop relationships with the sellers so they view selling to us is uh, more beneficial to them than in taking it to, uh, to the market. And we've got uh, various uh, strategies. Uh, the first one is old fashioned letter writing. Uh, in my career, I've written tens of thousands of letters uh, to sellers and I've done it three different ways. Um, Number one, uh, put letters in mailboxes. Number two, uh, drive around and write down the addresses that you're interested in and then go look them up in the city database and then you can mail the letter to the owner. And then number three, you can use CoStar, LoopNet. You know, you can pay for leads, pay for access to information. Um, and so it just kind of depends on where, where you're at in your career. I mean, CoStar, I think the minimum is like, for a small team to use CoStar, the minimum is probably 2,000 a month. Yeah. Well, you know, if, if, if you're on a smaller scale, you probably should be driving around writing down addresses and looking them up in the database for free, you know. Um, so that's the first way. And then the second way is uh, social media. So we produce social media content that results in more than one person a day asking us to buy their real estate. Now, of course, a lot of it's not good. You know, you got to flush through that, every, of course. But that that's uh, one that's a major source of incoming uh, leads. Uh, 
And then the third thing is um, old-fashioned business networking. So uh, I've been in, I've been doing this for for 19 years. Uh, I've joined lots of different organizations and gone to their networking events, go to the real estate meetups, and just make it known to thousands of people in the area in which you want to buy real estate that you're a real estate buyer, and those people will come back to you. Um, you know, it come back to you. And I live in Ypsilanti, Michigan. It's a small town. It's always weird when someone lists a property for sale. I'm like, what? Why did you do that? I would have bought it. You could have just come to me, you know? And, and so I want to make it so that before someone calls a broker, they give me a call and say, hey, I'm thinking of listing this property for sale. Are you interested? Nice. Uh, and then the fourth thing is uh, network with people who help people buy and sell real estate. So obviously that's the realtors, that's the brokers, but take it, take it a step further, network with insurance professionals, property managers, uh, lenders, title, title work, lawyers. Um, a lot of people, when they want to sell real estate, they call their lawyer first. They call their in, insurance company first. They call their lender first and, and network with all of those folks. Um, and then a, another key thing is, uh, work really closely with brokers so that you brokers in your target area know that you're a professional buyer and are not going to screw them around and they're, and, and they're going to get their commission in a professional and, and orderly fashion. And so there's a couple of brokers. I, I purchased about 100 apartment complexes in the city of Ohio in the last eight years. And there were a couple of apartment brokers uh, who would bring us the deal first they would get the listing contract signed and then they would the very same day they would bring it to us and so we would get a first shot at it that, uh, that's huge and for the listeners that's called a pocket listing and um that, that's that's through relationships that's a hundred percent relationship based and the only way to, to achieve that pocket listing is to get out there like like uh, Stuart does and get in front of these people and uh yeah. build rapport uh you know that's the going fishing with these guys, golfing, lunches, uh, you know, that part of it. And then also just making sure that you get the deal done when they bring it to you and, and you don't screw around with it too much. They don't want a guy who's going to screw around. They don't want a guy who is going to try to retrade the price three times. They don't want a guy who's going to be too hard on inspection uh, to, to make the seller say, what the hell are you, what the hell are you, where'd this guy come from? Like they want, they want to make sure that you've got good loan relationships. So you, you, you don't, you don't have to delay or you don't have to back out, you know, so that's being a professional buyer um, that's huge. and being known as a professional buyer with these, with these brokers. Um, and then one strategy that's not available to everyone, but I would can, can, can uh, ask you to consider it is service real estate owners in a business that you run and they will ask you to buy their real estate before they ask anyone else. So uh, for instance, um, I'm a property manager and I manage properties for people. Well, dozens of times I bought properties that I started out managing. But let's say you don't wanna be a property manager. Let's say you're gonna be a realtor or a construction contractor. You know, you can do the same thing. Do a bunch of construction for a guy, uh, you know, on all of his properties. And he, he'll tell you for sure, hey, thanks for doing that project over here, but this is the last time you'll be over here because I'm probably going to sell this building. And then boom, be like, oh, really? Wow. Okay, let's talk about it. Um, and that's happened sometimes too, both on a, a renovation perspective.
so th those are the off-market strategies that we use. And I think that you have a, a leg up too because you you have a, a fund. There's syndications and there's funds. Can you tell us the difference between the two? Uh, well, they're, they can be the same and they, they can be different. Um, so today, uh, so, so, okay, so let's, let's start at the beginning for people that are, are just thinking about this for the first time. People read about real estate syndications and they ask me, I want to be a real estate syndicator. How do I get started? And I tell them, I tell them, whoa, you're, 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 you're putting the, the cart way before the horse here. Before you start a real estate syndicator, before you start a fund, what you should do is start an LLC buy a property with that LLC and invite two or three other people into that LLC as a little investor group first to see a couple different things. Number one, do you like working with investors? Some people do, some people don't. I mean, do you like people asking you hard questions? If, if you don't, you're not going to be up for being a real estate syndicator. You're not going to be up for sponsoring real estate investments. So what I advise people to do is start much smaller than a fund or a real estate syndication and, and, and sponsor a couple different LLCs. And it's really simple. Let, let's say, let's go back to my first deal. It was 15 North Hamilton. It required 50,000 cash. Uh, and it was a five unit. So I could form 15 Hamilton LLC, create a little operating agreement, and ask three friends to each chip in 15 grand uh, towards the 50. That'll be 60. Nice to overfund the deal by 10. You can always give it back later if you don't need it. Um, but you know, renovations and stuff like that. And so each person will own 25% of the deal. And maybe you charge your friends and family, uh, you know, an asset management fee or property management fee or a broker fee. So you you know, you get paid a little bit for putting the deal together, but that's the first way you should start out working with real estate investors. And then if that's successful and you like it, you can create funds and syndications, which can be the same thing or they can be different. But basically, in my mind, they're, they're, they're pretty much the same. You, you sponsor a, a fund, you invite investors into the fund. And then what is the fund? It can be a fund for a single acquisition. It can be a fund for multiple properties. It can be a blind pool where the investors don't know what they're investing in. They just trust you to invest in things. Um, and so there's, there's lots of different ways to structure it uh, from there. And I said uh, earlier that you had a leg up because you have a fund. And, and the reason I said that is because a, a lot of brokers will, will favor a fund over a syndication because you don't have to chase equity after putting the project under, under contract. You've got equity available, so they know that that you have the you're the least path of resistance to get to the finish line, and uh, that makes it very favorable. Yeah, so I've sold uh, a lot of properties in my career. Uh, I didn't set out to do that, but we sold them for various reasons, and it is mind-boggling how many people offer to buy your property when they don't have any money. Uh, it, it's it, you're, it's wild. So many times people would offer to buy our properties and when it came down to it, they actually had no money. So if you are known to someone who has the money, either yourself personally or a fund, and the brokers know this, you have a leg way up, yeah. you know, clear through, you clear through the noise uh, a lot, you know. So after you've taken the property under contract, you've acquired it, the biggest piece there is executing on a business plan and succeeding in property management. Can you tell us how to succeed in property management, the most, one of the most important parts? Well, I have 
a lot of successes and failures in property management. Property management is uh, the hardest aspect of the business for many different reasons. Um, but the, the key to property management is um, a, a property manager who is aligned with the owner as much as possible. Um, it's difficult to get the parties aligned uh, because the tenant has different wishes than the property manager has, and then the owner has different wishes than the tenant has. And so it's, it's hard to be aligned, but try to get aligned as, as much as possible. And then uh, the, the other thing is um, to uh, pick a property manager who already manages properties in that area. Where I've failed several times in property manager management is hiring someone that lives far from the property and it just doesn't work out very well. Um, and because the property, you want the property manager on site as much as possible. Um, and and that's, that's happened to us a, a couple of different times. Um, and then another thing in property management, if you're gonna be the property manager, uh, only take on assignments where you can be uh, successful in the assignment um, because that will allow you to uh, you know, keep a good reputation in, in, in the industry. And I've been guilty of, of taking on assignments that are, are too tough um, and probably should have declined those assignments um, or come up with a better business plan. Um, and so that's something I'm working on in my career uh, as a property manager. Is it just not being able to, to execute on, on what we think is, is achievable for that area, location, demographic, or is it just a heavy lift? Um, yeah, I mean, so you can't change an area quickly or at all. And so I've definitely been guilty of taking on assignments that are in bad areas. And then, well, you, if you're taking on a property management assignment in a bad area, you can't rent it to good people that you want with good credit scores. And so, you know, the, the business plan just doesn't work out as well as you, you'd think. Um, so we could talk about that for hours. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's absolutely true. Um, so how do you build a successful team? You've got a big operation. How do you put all the pieces together with, uh, with teammates? Yeah, so it's uh, my, my team right now is uh, 60, 60 people, 65 people. Uh, we've got folks that um, have worked for us for 17 years and 15 years and lots over 10, lots over five. Uh, property management is a, a high turnover industry, uh, especially in maintenance and uh, laborers. Um, the key is uh, putting together a attractive um, an attractive offering to these folks in the beginning, and then you know working really closely with them uh, over time uh, to make sure that they're being successful, they're feeling successful. It's really challenging for sure, uh, but I just work pretty closely with my my staff. You know, even the laborers. Like for instance, one of the laborers that's worked for us for a long time, he had a medical episode, uh, and I called his, uh, I called his girlfriend, I called him, and then we delivered uh, a package of uh, food to his house. Um, you know, and just trying to go the extra mile so that these people, when you ask them to clean up sewage at 11 p.m., uh, you know, on New Year's Eve, that they'll answer the call. Uh, because that's what property management requires, you know. Yeah. Especially with uh, today's labor force and um, the challenges to to meet the amount of people that are needed to to get the job done and the quality of people. Totally agree. 
that's um that's great Stuart. we truly appreciate you spending time with us today um your your track record your 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 path to success it's uh, incredible for listen, listeners to hear about it if they want to get in touch with you or your company and learn more about your operation how can they do so yeah, so you can find me on Facebook, send me a Facebook message. You can find me on LinkedIn, send me a LinkedIn message. And then my email address is sbeal, S-B-E-A-L, at gobeal, G-O-B-E-A-L.com. And then for uh, potential investors, uh, check out bealcapital.com. Awesome. And uh, I'll also have the contact information in the post when we get this uh, this video formally sent out. So uh, truly appreciate your time and I uh, look forward to speaking with you in the future. All right. Thanks, Josh. Thank you. Bye.